All right, what's up, guys? Uh, back here for another edition of Armchair Takes. Uh, this one coming to you after the Dubs pulled out a uh, uh, win in New York, uh, 114 to 106, a game that probably didn't need to be as close as it was at the end. Uh, Dubs had a nine-point lead heading into the fourth, but uh, found themselves tied at 97 all late, uh, but they were able to pull it out, thankfully. Um, this is coming off a uh, heartbreaking loss Friday night to Orlando and an even more heartbreaking loss Saturday night to uh, Charlotte. Uh, so a much needed win tonight, which we'll talk about here to uh, break down the game and, and look at some of the bigger picture things on the season here is my good buddy, George. What's up, George? Hey, how's it going, Dave? Thanks going for having good. Me. Yeah. So the reason I wanted George on tonight is he, uh, he actually was born in Manhattan. So we've got a Knicks fan on the other end. Uh, George is a, a big uh, New York fan. Uh, but where I met George was not in New York. It was at the University of Oregon, where we both went to school, uh, even lived together for a bit. So uh, if there's time, we might might even get some Ducks takes off here. But uh, George, how you doing tonight? I'm great. Yeah, it was a tough well. loss, but it was a fun game to watch. It was, yeah. No, I, I, uh, it'll be interesting to hear what your thoughts are as we kind of go through the game. Um, and and uh, you know, as it as it got going, I thought I thought the Dubs got off to a great start tonight. Um, you know, got themselves out to an early lead. Uh, but as it's gone most of this season, the second unit came in there in the second quarter and just killed all momentum. Um, the Knicks, I was really impressed with the guys they had coming off the bench. And uh, they actually took a slight lead into halftime. Uh, Dubs came out in the third quarter with, um, you could tell, kind of a, a sense of urgency to, uh, to put the game, you know, to, to, to take hold of the game, which they did. Uh, you know, got up by, by nine heading into the fourth. And then once again, the, the, the Dubs second unit uh, struggled at the start of the fourth. Um, and the starters had to come back in and, and thankfully finish it off. So. One of the things I wanted to touch on tonight um, is, is just that. I mean, looking at the plus minus from tonight's game, uh, the, the Dubs starters were all in the plus and their bench guys were all in the minus. And you look at the Knicks, Knicks uh, lineup tonight and their starters were all in the minus and their bench was all in the plus. So uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting takeaway. Do you have any thoughts, George, on, on why that is, why the Knicks starters um, – struggled tonight, but the bench was so good? You know, it's really not that uncommon. So the way Thibs, Thibs have been, has been running this is he's been sticking with the same starting five throughout the year. I think uh, pretty early in the season, their starting five had more minutes together than any other starting five this season in the league. Um, he's been mixing up the lineups after that, though. So he watches and sees who's doing well out of the starting five. The second unit usually comes in. Um, they're usually a spark to the team. They play well um, collectively. And then he kind of mixes match and matches based on who's playing well on the starting five and who's playing well off the bench and, and lets it roll. Um, I was actually pretty surprised he let uh, the starters play as long as he did into the third for that reason. So I think yeah. that was a bit unique. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm looking at your, uh, you know, your bench guys and you got some good vets um, you know, guys like Taj Gibson, obviously Derek Rose, even Alec Burks, who was on the dubs last year. Um, you know, th that's what, that's what the dubs are missing right now is, you know, their second unit guys are made up of, 
um, you know, fringe NBA slash G leaguers and, you know, young guys. So they don't really have anyone to steady that unit when things aren't going well. Uh, and they don't have somebody that just can go get a bucket. You know, I, we, I was watching the, the Blazers game tonight and, uh, you know, they were down early in that first quarter and then Carmelo came in and, and, you know, was on fire and, um, you know, he's obviously a, a walking bucket and, and, those kind of guys, especially coming off the bench, are, are so important. Um, and, the, and that's where I think the Dubs are really missing right now. And I think, I think the Knicks have done a good job from a roster building standpoint of, um, you know, bringing in some young guys. I mean, obviously developing a guy like Randall, uh, RJ Barrett's playing much better this year. So they got some pieces they can build around for the future, but they also got some, some good vets that are probably doing a good job of mentoring those kids, but, but also, you know, can be relied on by, by Thibodeau uh, when things aren't going well at the, at the jump. Yeah. I think they have a strong locker room and they're building up together. Well, but uh, they have the same weakness you just mentioned for the dubs. You know, they got one go-to guy that's Randall. And then after that, even the vets that are pretty good are all really streaky and inconsistent. Burks, Rose, um, Austin, like all those guys coming off the bench, the starting unit, Alfred Payton is super streaky. RJ Barrett. I mean, he's not a vet, right. But he's super streaky. Like nobody, it's, it's like he reshuffled the deck every game and he has to figure out who's going to, who's he going to finish it with. So that part's kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I just thought it was a valiant effort by the Knicks tonight. Um, like I said, they're, it's, it's interesting when you look at the standings, the dubs now are, are, uh, still an eighth spot uh, in the West. Um, they're just a game behind, uh, or actually they're tied with Denver, uh, who has 16 wins. The Warriors got 17 wins, but they're only two games behind Portland, who's in the fifth seed. So, you know, um, Portland's lost three in a row now. Um, there might be an opportunity, you know, with, with what's going on with San Antonio. San Antonio's still on a COVID break. Uh, for, for the Dubs to, you know, continue to try to move up the standings. And then you look at where the Knicks are at. The Knicks are in seventh, right? But they're also, um, shoot, they're only a game and a half out of fourth, which is where the Pacers are. So um, there's still opportunity, uh, you know, ahead of both these teams to uh, position themselves to, to, you know, to have, you know, possibly a, a favorable or, or at least even matchup when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, Fibs have has the team balling. I mean, they're playing well above their pay grade, right? Vegas had the Knicks at 22 and a half over under coming into the season. So they might very well have the worst roster, certainly one of the worst rosters uh, on in the league. And they're, they're, they're getting close to 500, which would be an amazing record for the squad. Yeah. Well, now they got an all-star on their team since, uh, Randall was, was named uh, a reserve to the all-star team this year or t today. So uh, you got that going for it. Well, so yeah, looking, looking ahead to the rest of the sort of um, the season, I I've already given some of my takes on, um, you know, what my expectations were for, for the dubs going into this season and, and, you know, how those remain the same going forward. Um, curious, what, what are your, you know, takes on the Knicks at this point? Do you want to see them, continue, you know, with the roster they've got, do you want to see them make some, some changes to, to try to improve their standing this year? Is it, is it still more about, you know, building for the future? Like what, where are you right now? As you mentioned there, they've, they've overachieved up to this point. So what does that mean for, for the Knicks for the rest of the season in your mind? 
You know, they've been doing a really good job of trying to win and also trying to build for the future, right? They haven't gone all in in either, either category. Usually that's a losing recipe, but they're actually pulling it off. I'd like to see them win. I think what they need more than anything is to prove to themselves that they can actually win and build a winning culture. So I'd love to see them make the playoffs. I'd love to see them win a few games in the playoffs. Um, I think that would be huge for the morale and the culture of the team and also their ability to attract free agents um, next year. I'm not really convinced that they're all that good at drafting talent. So I don't know that tanking is going to do them all that well. I'd rather see them make some moves. Um, I really like the new, the new regime. Um, they're not doing stupid blockbuster moves. They're trying to be smart, acquire assets. So I'd like to see them make some smart moves, whether they're big or on the edges, set up, make a run at 500, make some wins in the playoffs and uh, become a, not a freaking bottom dweller in the NBA, right? I think that's a huge step forward for them organizationally. Yeah. Well, so I have a similar sentiment, although I'd like to see the Dubs make some moves. I, I don't want them to necessarily sacrifice some of their bigger long-term assets, which, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but I do think there are some, there's some opportunities to just, you know, to make some, some tweaks to, um, you know, the more of the rotational guys and the starters that could really benefit, uh, you know, the team going forward. And, and I do believe that, you know, whatever kind of success they can have this year will, will be a, a, a launching pad to hopefully, you know, champ, championship aspirations next year when Clay comes back. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that management isn't, you know, um, satisfied with, with kind of where the team's at and, and sees the opportunity in front of them and, and realizes that um, the success going forward will, will really help them um, as they try to get back to that championship level. So uh, a couple, a couple guys that I think will um, be key pieces going forward for both our teams uh, for the dubs, James Wiseman um, returned tonight after uh, being out about three weeks with a uh, sprained wrist. Uh, he actually played better than I thought he would coming off such a long layoff tonight. Um, you know, still made some of, you know, uh, rookie mistakes that we've seen him make. He, he dropped a pass from Steph that would have been an easy dunk uh, at one point in the game. Um, you know, still seems to struggle with rebounding and blocking shots, but he had a, he did have a few nice finishes around the hoop, including one nice catch and spin, spin move for the layup. And I'm, I'm, you know, while he, he's shown, you know, obviously some flashes, uh, both ways, I'm pretty high on him still. I, I don't think at this point, if we were looking to move either Wiseman or, or the Timberwolves pick that we have, uh, for the upcoming draft, I would lean towards moving the pick since we don't know where that's going to land and we don't know, you know, what that player we, we potentially could draft will look like. Whereas I think we know what we've got or what we potentially have in, in Wiseman, which uh, is, you know, a super athletic big who can, you know, stretch the court and, and shoot the ball a little bit and obviously can finish around the rim. So I'm, I'm excited about him going forward. Obviously glad he's back on the court and um, curious what you think of your lottery pick this year. Uh, Obi Toppin, he was he was out there with the second unit as well. I had a few nice moves, including alley oop dunk. Um, what what's uh, the Knicks fans' uh, take on uh, on Obi up to this point? Yeah, before we touch on Toppins, I'd just like to say Wiseman. I mean, he's so nim so agile 
and has such spring in his step and is so coordinated, it's hard to believe he's a seven footer. I wonder what your what you think his ceiling is. Yeah, I you know, I'd say the the comparisons, if you're talking like ceiling or are, you know, Chris Bosch, Anthony Davis type player, you know, who can who can beat you inside and out. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe the floor is more of like a Mitchell Robinson, who I know you're familiar with, or you know, maybe, maybe a Jared Allen who, who's in Cleveland right now. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he's, he was arguably going into last year before he basically missed the entire college basketball season. I think he was the number one rated player, you know, coming into the year. So he was, you know, expected to be a high pick and, and uh, you know, some thought he might've, might've gone number one if, if uh, the Timberwolves didn't get the, the number one pick since they already have a center. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm encouraged. I mean, he, he, he makes some frustrating plays, but then he, he also realized he's only 19 years old. He, he only played three games of, of college basketball last year. So he's kind of gotten thrown into the fire this year and, um, and he's had a 25 point game and he's, he's had a couple double doubles. So he's shown that he's got that, that potential. And when you think about how young he is, I, I, I'm encouraged about what the, the future looks like. Um, but yeah, you know, topping with somebody else that was talked about when, uh, you know, the dubs were, were going to be in the top five. We didn't know where they were going to draft. There, there were some rumors that, you know, topping was someone that they might consider. I think once they got the second pick, that was probably a little too high to, to take him, but um, you know, he's, a, he's another athletic big. He's not quite as tall, but he's got some of the same skill sets. He may be even more athletic than, than Wiseman. Um, what do you think? Yeah, he's uber athletic, right? I, th I think, you know, the, the New York media and fan base is so finicky and hard to please. It's kind of hard to, you know, get a sense of what's going on because they're never happy about anything, really. Um, when, when they drafted Obi, you know, it just, everything... Uh, cluttering the airwaves was how something about his hips. He's, he has closed hips or something I'd never heard anybody talk about with NBA players before, right? And he can't play defense because he has closed hips, but he might be, you know, so offensive ready, might be uh, rookie of the year because he'll just have like a killing offense. And then here the year comes and his defense is fine. Like it's not great, but <laughs> there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with his hips. And, okay. uh, and his offense is pretty mediocre. I think the problem they got themselves into there was Randall was pretty atrocious last year. Um, he put up some pretty big numbers, but he just was a ball hog and wasn't very efficient. And he had a pretty good assists, but he also had quite a few turnovers. So he just completely, he lost a bunch of weight. He got in better shape. He came in, played with the same level of aggressiveness this year until tonight, maybe making the all-star team went to his head a little bit. And so Obi just didn't have much of a shot on the four spot. They play the same position. So um, there's a lot of controversy about what's going to, what Obi's future is in New York with Randall, you know, right, elevating right. his game as he has. Yeah. Well, you know, I think going back to what you had said earlier, you know, that as the Knicks look towards the future, you know, they, they, you talk a lot about, you know, acquiring assets and, and Toppin's certainly an asset, even, you know, even if he hasn't, maybe lived up to the expectations yet. I'm sure there's still a lot of teams that are pretty high on them. And so if, you know, if you just decide, let's say management decides Randall's our guy and um, you'd rather build around Randall, you know, maybe top in somebody you can use as a trade chip um, to acquire some, some, some players that better fit the roster. 
Um, so, you know, I think it's too early to, to know what, you know, what Wiseman or, or Toppin are going to end up being as NBA players, but um, sounds like early, early returns are, are encouraging, um, which is good. Uh, and then, you know, sticking with the draft, uh, something else that I thought was interesting about these two teams tonight is uh, for the 20 uh, upcoming draft, the 21, uh, 2021 draft, um, we'll see where both these teams finish, but it's looking like we'll be playoff teams. So we'll be outside of the lottery, but we, we both still have opportunities to have lottery picks this year. So in the Warriors case, um, you know, the much talked about uh, Timberwolves pick, which they've got. Uh, this year, if it falls outside of the top three, and then it's unprotected if it if it uh, if it does fall within the top three, and then it becomes an unprotected pick in 2022. And in the Knicks case, I know they have a protected first from uh, the Mavs, um, and where the Mavs are right now, they're they're on the fringe of the playoffs. So you know if they happen to continue to struggle and and maybe miss the playoffs, there's an opportunity for for the Knicks to to have a, you know, a lottery pick in this upcoming draft, which is, which is pretty loaded. So kind of interesting that both of us are following, you know, the fortunes of, of two other teams to determine whether or not we might have, you know, a higher draft pick than, than what our season's performance will, will dictate. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, the Knicks also have three second round picks in this draft. So it could get really interesting if the Mavs do just bad enough. Um, that they have a good pick, but just good enough that it's not protected. I could see the Knicks bundling some other picks and moving up in the draft, going after Suggs is what people are, I think, hoping for in the Knicks uh, circles. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's good. He's uh, I've gotten to see him actually play in person at, uh, since he, he goes to Gonzaga. And um, yeah, he's a hell of a player. And, and you you know, second round picks used to not be very valuable, but but now they are. Um, so, um, you know, bundling picks together, that's, that's, you know, the way you move up in the draft or the way you, uh, can acquire, you know, players, it's, uh, draft picks have become extremely valuable because, um, you know, you can, you know, you can keep guys at, you know, lower costs as far as contracts are concerned at a younger age. And it helps you build out your roster with, you know, the expensive vets that, that, uh, most teams have. So. That's interesting. And, and then go ahead. The, the next last two drafts in both cases, their second round picks were better than their first round picks. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, well, and, and also just to close the loop on uh, tonight's game, I, I thought it was interesting looking at uh, some of the advanced stats, uh, you know, the net ranking or rating uh, for both these teams offensively and defensively are very similar. So, uh, you know, not surprisingly, it was a close game. So right now the Knicks are third overall in the NBA in, in uh, defensive net rating and the Dubs are fourth in defensive net rating. So both these teams obviously are, are winning, you know, uh, a good chunk of their games on the defensive end, because when you look at the offensive stats, it's, it's almost a polar opposite. We're, we're both in the bottom half of the league in, in offensive statistics, which for the Dubs is pretty crazy when you think they've, you know, they've got Steph Curry on their team. So, um, you know, I think if either of these teams are going to make some noise going forward, it's, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to improve the offense. You obviously don't want to sacrifice defense, um, but you might need to, um, you know, maybe try to slide in some more offensive players uh, as, as and, and maybe slack a little bit on defense as a result, just to, to improve your chances of winning. 
Um, I mean, that fourth quarter tonight was, was pretty brutal. Uh, I think both teams only scored five or only made five field goals, which, um, which is pretty crazy to think of. So um, kudos to, to both teams for the defense. Got to figure out how to improve the offense uh, going forward. Yeah, I don't see Thibs sacrificing the defense. I, I think what he's shown, and he's, he's going to go defense first with his starters, and then he'll put the guys that are okay on defense but good on offense, take them off the bench, and then when they're hot, he'll give them a bunch of minutes, and when they're not, he'll stuff them right back on the bench. Yeah, I think that might have been wishful thinking on my part because Kerr is the same way, and he's, he's hammered home the point this year that um, he wants – the Dubs to be a defensive-minded team first, and and the decisions he's making with the lineups are with defense in mind first, and, and offense second. And so, um, and I and I I think when when I don't think I know when Thibodeau uh, left Minnesota, he spent some time uh, at Warriors practices, um, just you know hanging out with Kerr and the coaching staff, and and so I think. I think there's um, a lot of similarities there in the way they, you know, their style of, of uh, coaching. So it's not surprising, I guess, to see the, the advanced stats uh, sort of dictate that at this point. Um, Is that a new philosophy for Kerr? Uh, no, I think it's always been his philosophy. I mean, the things he's known for as a coach um, are, are defense. You know, he, he hammers defense. He likes defensive-minded players, versatile players. Um, you know, that's why a guy like Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, even Andrew Bogut, uh, were so key to our, our success is that, you know, they could, they could guard, you know, in some instances, you know, positions one through five. And then the other thing that he's uh, known for that uh, Warriors Twitter gets pretty upset about is he, he's all about sort of the, the flow of the offense and the beautiful game. He doesn't like the ball. Uh, to stay in one place for too long. And so it means a guy like Steph Curry is constantly passing and cutting and moving off ball as opposed to, you know, playing like what you see most superstars play with, play like, which is, you know, ISO, um, you know, get, getting their shots up, you know, trying to draw fouls. Um, you know, it worked really well when we had a lot of, you know, when we had Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, uh, on the court with Steph. Now that we don't have those guys, it's, it sometimes can get, get pretty ugly uh, like it did in the fourth quarter tonight. Um, so we'll see whether, you know, Kerr adjusts, but, you know, I, I will say so far he's, pro he's probably been right about, you know, the defensive focus because, um, you know, to be fourth in the, in the entire league in defense with, with, you know, you know kind of a makeshift uh, group of guys that we got right now is, is pretty impressive. So um yeah, so we'll Steph see. We'll is see. great. Sorry. What's that? Steph is great at moving the ball around and keeping the offensive offense active and everything. That that's for sure, especially compared to other All Stars, like you said. Yeah. With a with the defense first mindset, though, maybe he's lucky to have a starting position with the Warriors. Who's that? Steph. Steph. Oh, what do you mean starting position? Oh, I mean, oh, I'm not as the a defense defense first mindset with Kerr. I got you. Okay. You're getting off a take here. I like it. Uh, yeah. You know, Steph's uh, that good offensively that, uh, <laughs> you know, he can, he can make up for, for his uh, defensive shortcomings by, uh, by averaging 30 points a game. Um, but I will say, I mean, the, 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 the reason the offense is, can be sometimes frustrating is, is the ball's moving and hopping around, which is great, but it ends up in a guy's hands that, um, 
you know, maybe should be shooting the ball when, when someone like Steph Curry, who's, you know, the world's best shooter is, is available to take a shot. So um, that's the conundrum that, that warrior fans struggle with is, um, you know, we like seeing everybody get, you know, get a touch and get involved in the offense, but ultimately we want to see Steph Curry take, take majority of the shots. Um, well, well, they certainly deferred to him in the fourth. They do. Yeah, no, it was clear when he came back in. I mean, they were, they were scuffling big time and obviously he saw that and, and took it upon himself to create the, you know, the urgency to, to get some buckets and try to draw some fouls. So, you know, he knows, he generally knows when he needs to do that. Um, I'm not sure how much, you know, I'm not sure if Kerr encourages it or not, but um, yeah, I thought tonight he, he thankfully took over the game at the end and, and, but he also made some nice, nice passes. He had a good dish to Ubre underneath the hoop for a dunk that kind of sealed the game. Um, when I think most guys of his stature would probably look to score, he, he ended up looking to pass. So, um, well, to, to, uh, to wrap this up, just, you know, uh, last, last week I had, uh, I had Brian from San Jose on and, uh, we, we went through, uh, the, uh, West, West Co conference, uh, standings and also looked at the upcoming games. We, we were hopeful that the doves would go three and one. That's not possible now, but they got one more game tomorrow on this road trip to, uh, hopefully get finish the road trip two and two. They're at Indiana tomorrow. Uh, then they come home for uh, for Charlotte at home. Uh, hopefully, a little redemption from uh, that loss on Saturday night. And then they finish out the first half of the season with three road games, three really tough road games at LA against the Lakers, at Portland, and at Phoenix. So, um, you know, I guess if I'm thinking best case scenario, you you know you win you win tomorrow at Indiana, come home and beat Charlotte. Um, that would be our first three game win streak of the season, which is, which is crazy to think, but, um, so be it. And then, you know, between at LA at Portland at Phoenix, you'd like to at least get one, uh, hopefully two. And, uh, you know, that, that would put us, I, I think in a, in a decent spot as we wrap up the first half of the season. So, um, not sure if you have any final takes on the, uh, Knicks and, and where they're headed here. Um, but, uh, like I said, I'm hoping the Dubs get tomorrow's game, obviously against Indiana, get Charlotte on Friday, and then we'll see what happens in those final three road games. Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic uh, about the Knicks if they're able to stay healthy. The first portion of their schedule is way more brutal than what they have here ahead of them. So I think that um, as long as they stop choking on these games that are taking them to 500, I think they can probably end the season there if they stay healthy. Right. Um, just a, a little side note here. I heard something that surprised me, which is that Steph is like the second strongest player on the dubs. Okay. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't. I know he looks a lot more jacked than he has in previous seasons. Certainly when you look at clips of him from like his unanimous MVP season. Um, yeah. He's a lot smaller than he is now. I know he's, he's, he's known for, you know, being a, somebody that works his ass off. Uh, who's, do you know who the number one, who the strongest guy is on the team? I wonder. No, no, they didn't say this was about Steph. There was some power lift, a deadlift, one of the power lifts. Okay. Um, he got second on the whole team. And not yeah. like pound for pound in total weight. Right? Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. That's impressive. No, I mean, you know, if you watch him and how he plays um, because he's running around off the ball so much, um, he, and he, and he takes a lot of contact, not, not just when he's, you know, 
got the ball in his hands, but when he's moving around, he's, he's, you know, guys are trying to constantly yeah. bump him, bump him and, and keep him from going to his spots. And so I think he's realized he's had to add, you know, some strength and, and weight in order to, to combat that. So, um, no, that's interesting though. Um, and you know, the great ones always are, are, are special in, in multiple ways. Right. So someone like that who doesn't maybe look very big is I'm not surprised that here he's, he's, he's especially strong. Um, so, well, good, man. Thanks for, uh, George. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate you bringing some, uh, some wisdom from Manhattan to tonight's, uh, armchair takes. Um, good to, uh, good to hear from you. Good to see you. Uh, anything else you want to get off uh, your chest tonight before we uh, we close this out? No, I'm good. This You're is all fun. Good. All right, cool. Well, thanks. I'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, actually I, sh I should tease this. So, as I mentioned before, we got a lot of uh, Portland fans uh, as part of my uh, group as as a result of going to Oregon. And um, Dubs are at Portland uh, next week, uh, next Wednesday night. So might have a pretty lively uh, post-game armchair takes after that one. Uh, should, should have a good turnout of guys uh, wanting to talk doves and zers. So look forward to that. Uh, but until then, uh, thanks for joining us and uh, appreciate you guys listening and we'll, uh, we'll talk later. All right. See ya.